Welcome again to the Bread of Life podcast. Today, we have a special guest with us, my dad, Dr. David Arnold. Dr. Arnold is the President Emeritus of the World Evangelistic Outreach Ministries. And today, Dad is going to talk about the subject of the mysteries of God. And his text will be taken from 1 Corinthians chapter 4. I'm so happy to have Dad in the studio with me today. David, again, thank you for the opportunity to be here in the studio with you uh, to talk about an issue that is probably one of the most pressing issues that I've had in the ministry, and that is this, making sense out of nonsense. I believe in this area, it is where the devil will do his greatest work and most deceptive work that he has in the lives of God's people. Meaning, whenever we are confronted as good people with tragedy and heartache that is really nonsensical, we hardly know how to handle it. We know not where to go because it seems like God is a God of common sense and God is a God that is always good and never evil. It was this concept that made several people that I know become not as good of Christians as they were before. Just the other week, a lady called me from Erie, Pennsylvania, and she said last night her best friend's husband was killed. They were good people. And she said to my friend when she called her and told her the news, she said, why would God allow this to happen to us? We're good people. We try to do everything we can. We try to give our money to the church to give our time for God. And now here we are, my two little boys and myself, we are without our husband. He was our source of strength. He was our everything. And now we have nothing. Why would God do this to us? So it is in this area that I believe we as Christians need to put our guard. And I want to show you a verse of scripture that God used in my life whenever things came to me that did not make sense. I was a junior in college, and I was not sure what God wanted me to do. I was an education major. And then God seemed to be challenging me. I was in a Christian university, 7,000 students, and uh, I felt comfortable. I felt we were doing the will of God, my wife and I. In fact, just prior to that, we went to the altar at Southside Baptist Church in Greenville, South Carolina, and I felt in the revival meeting that God wanted me to come to the altar and make a rededication of my life to God. I told Gloria, I think we should go forward at the invitation. She said, why? I don't have any reason to go forward. I said, well, just go forward with me. So we went forward, and I remember bowing my heart and saying, God, whatever you want. Now, I never wanted to be a minister, never thought I was capable of such a thing. But I was, like I said, in education and wanted to teach athletics and different things in the high school. But 
God was changing me, and I did not know why or how, but I was not satisfied. And so I went forward and out and said, God, you know why I'm here tonight. I didn't audibly talk it, but I thought it. And I said, whatever you want, Father, that's what I want. You know, it was two weeks after that, whenever my son was crawling on the floor at two years of age, and he started to cry. And I thought, what's, what's wrong with that boy? He cried really hard. And when I went to pick him up, I grabbed his arm and he screamed. So I knew that he must have hurt his arm. We went to the hospital and the doctor said, I'll have to put a cast on his arm. To make a long story short, that happened. We went back two weeks later, I believe, for the doctor to look at it. And whenever he was done with the examination, he looked to me and he said, Dave, I wonder if I could talk to you and your wife in my office. I said, oh, absolutely. I had no idea, none of what I was about to hear. When I heard the doctor say to me, David, do you not realize that your son has cerebral palsy? I never heard the word, did not know anything about it. I said, no, I don't. I don't know what you mean. And he went on to tell me, he said, now, David, I'm on the board of directors at Shriners Hospital here in Greenville, South Carolina. And I know you're a Bob Jones grad student and you have limited resources. But we, as uh, Shriners, we would like to offer you whatever assistance you will need in this endeavor. I was overwhelmed. Now, I often wondered why I went to Greenville, South Carolina to go to college when there were colleges everywhere up and down the East Coast. Why did I go there? And all of a sudden, I realized that about 10 miles from where we lived was one of the most beautiful hospitals that Shriners Crippled Children's Hospital owned, and it was right at my doorstep. He said, you come out in January and we will do a thorough diagnosis of your son. I, had, I, I, I was shocked. My wife was shocked. And on our way home, my wife said to me, she looked with tears coming down her face. She said, I want to go home, Dave. I don't want anybody looking at my son that I do not know. I want to go back to Millerstown or back to Liverpool, wherever our home was. And I want us to go back there. And I said, I thought, oh, my goodness, everything is falling apart, everything. So we went home. And for two weeks at Christmas time, we were mourning uh, the awful news that we had, had. We shared it with some people. And one man I shared my heart with, who happened to be my pastor, he did not even care about it. He said, well, we'll pray, David. God bless you. And send us out of his office. I felt overwhelmed. I felt bitter. I thought, what on earth is this man all about? Why would he not take more time to help my wife and I who are in a crisis? You see, there will be crises coming in our lives throughout life that we cannot comprehend. I call them unanswerables. They don't make sense. So what are we Christians to do? I think the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians Chapter 1, chapter uh, 4, and the verse, next three verses 
is so dynamic and so comforting for us at a moment like this. And it greatly encouraged me. Listen to it. Let a man so account of us as of the ministers of Christ. Now, the ministers of Christ do not mean pastoral ministers, evangelists, missionaries. It means ministers or good news bearers. And we're all to be that. We're all to have that kind of a, an emphasis in our life. But Paul said, now, let's remember something. In the dark time of our life, people will be watching us perhaps more than ever before. They're going to really watch and find out, are we for real? Is Christianity for real? If God's a good God, why would he let these awful tragedies happen to the good people? Or doesn't he care? Is he nonchalant about all the things that goes on in our lives? And that really discomforted me and made me feel very bad. But here the Apostle Paul, talking to a new church there in Corinth, which was an idolatrous city filled with idolatry and filled with all the images that go along with satanic influences. And here he was saying, now, Christians, let men in these hours, whenever it looks like the goddess of Genus and all the other goddess of the city, when they have great temples and places to worship, and we have no place to worship except little houses, where is God? If that's God, why would we want to serve that kind of God? So those confusions were in those people's hearts, just like in ours this very day. So he said here, let other men now watch us in these dark hours that they might call us stewards of, I want you to get this, the mysteries of God. Now, what is a mystery? A mystery is an unanswerable. A mystery is something that doesn't make sense. It's not clear. Though you try to reason it, though you try to comprehend it, it doesn't make sense at all. But that will happen to you as a Christian. It happens to me often as a Christian. Why would God let me work in a church for 14 years and then call me away to where I had no income? I had no source of help anywhere in America. Nobody knew me. I was just a pastor in a little church up in Kramer, Pennsylvania, and nobody knew me. But God was calling me to a world ministry. How would that ever happen? Why would he do that? So I was in a state of perplexity, and I called them the unanswerables. I could not. My wife said, well, why are we doing this? I said, I don't know. It just seems like in my heart when God first called me, that same thing is pounding in my soul. And I've got to do something about it. You will have those experiences, beloved. You will have those times whenever other people will say, well, what, what in the world? Give us some concrete evidence of what's happening. And you cannot because you're just, you're just like I, I was. You have no answers. So Paul said, now, at this stage of your life and at this moment of your life, I want you to be careful how you walk. I want you to be careful how you talk. I want you to be careful where you go. I want you to be careful to give a light that will shine in the darkness. And I found out, ladies and gentlemen, that God was preparing me for something that I had no idea about. Nothing was, would have made sense to me. If God was going to make me a minister, I would have thought he would have made me a minister in New York City or 
in some metropolitan area. But God was calling me, first of all, to a little country church with less than 20 people. They were not organized. They did not know a lot of the Bible. And here I was called to these people. And then after 14 years of God marvelously working, we had over 600 people, David, in our church. Things were just going the way I, I, I wanted it. And they had just built us a new addition on our house. It was lovely, a fireplace, comfortable settings. And at Christmas time, my wife was so happy. And I thought, God, how can I tell her that God is calling me away? I didn't, I don't, I didn't know, but that's, that's how I was feeling. I said, God, I can't make a mistake here or I could greatly hurt my wife. So in my life, I was entering into one of the mysteries. And Paul now gives us admonition and gives us concrete steps. Listen, in verse number two, moreover, it is required in stewards that a man, a man be found faithful. Isn't that precious? It is right now where we are required by God to remember our stewardship responsibility. What is a stewardship? A steward is somebody that holds in state, in good account of the affairs that he finds himself in that he doesn't go off and get drunk. He doesn't go off and get into awful types of sins like so many I knew and had experienced. Pastors leaving their pulpits and going out with another woman and marrying her and getting children and on and on. There are mysteries we must hold in stewardship that we are careful how we handle it because I'll tell you, you're human. No matter how spiritual you may think you are, you're human. And you will have to be careful that you hold these things in a confidence with God Almighty, believing that God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we are able to think or ask. Now, he said we want to be found faithful in our life and our walk. Next, I want you to see this and I'll be finished. But with me, it is a very small thing that I should be judged of you or of man's judgment. Yea, I judge not my own self. The next thing is the condemnation and the scandalous things that may be said of you and may be said of me. Well, if David is such a good Christian, why does he have a handicapped son? And then later we had a daughter that was uh, severely uh, hurt whenever she was born. One pound, six ounces. If David is such a good man, why is this happening? I think of many people in the Bible just like it. You remember how that God held in stewardship the one prophet of God, Zacharias, when he went to the altar of God to give a yearly sacrifice, and the angel of God met him there and said, Peace be with you, Zacharias. Not as the world gives it. I'm giving you peace today. Because here he was, a steward, and the thing was, he had no son. And God had promised that Zacharias one day would have a great leader, and his son would be called John. Well, it never happened. He's now in his late 80s. He's up in Jerusalem. His wife is down in uh, Nazareth, and uh, he's all alone. And the angel of God met him. It seems like John would have said, well, 
You've come too late, angel. I'm 85 years old. I cannot bear children now. I'm past my day of bearing seed. So he didn't know what to do. He was confused. He said, how can I go home to Elizabeth, who's in her late 80s, and tell her that we're going to have a child? It just come too late. And uh, he was very upset, I'm sure, very confused. So there will be times, I guess what I want to tell you, that people will condemn you. People would say about Job, well, if he's such a good prophet, then why doesn't he have a son? That was considered in Jewish times to be a scandalous judgment of God or any man that could not bear a son or a woman. So they were held in contempt by many of the people around them. How would you like to be in that setting? Well, no, you would not, for sure. But you see, it was in those settings where God brought John the Baptist, the ark leader of the children of Israel, and to one day announce, Behold, the Amnos of God, or the choice lamb. Amnos, the choice lamb of God. Here he is. Isn't it wonderful? The lamb of God that not only has come to Jews, but has come to the world, that he might bring us to reconciliation with God along with the Jewish nation. So you will have moments today, perhaps in your life, you will be bearing things that are just not bearable. They're nonsensical. They don't make sense. But you have to hold them in a stewardship accounting that whenever these things come up and the doubts fill your heart, and Satan will say to you, like he did for me, David, get out of the ministry. What has it done for you? I had no money. I was in the ministry 14 years. I was being called away from my home, my nest, and I had less than $1,000. But I tell you, ladies and gentlemen, today, at 85 years of age, I have seen, my wife has seen, my son David now, who many of you know, David is such a blessing. He's encouraged his mother and dad in our old age. David is the leader of our home, and we are so grateful and so thankful for him. So God bless you. Thank you for listening to the podcast today. I hope this made sense to you. I hope it wasn't burdensome to you. I hope you didn't turn it off long ago. But I hope you will hold these truths to be self-evident, that we all have the potential to walk away from God and not be what God would have us to do because we have a hurt heart. God bless you. Well, thank you, Dad. That was an excellent message.